Well, now we're now going to come into our time of hearing God's word read and preached. So let me pray for us. And before Bruce comes up and shares the word with us. Father, thank you so much for your word. We not only thank you that you've uh, sent your son to die and rise again to save us from our sin, but you've given us your word that gives us a guide in life, teaches us about you, what, what you've done, and what it means to follow you. Lord, prepare our hearts to hear your word, and may it be encouraging to us and teach us something new. Amen. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way 
and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. In uh, 2020, Cheryl and I went to the Flinders Ranges and one day we were in the Wilpena Pound and we were climbing up a hill and we noticed that there was a couple coming down the hill towards us and we recognised them. They were people that we knew from Mount Compass. It was a surprising encounter. In today's reading from Luke, we hear of a much more surprising encounter of two followers of Jesus with their risen Lord. Let's see what we may discover from this. Perhaps I could summarise the story here as from sad faces to sizzling hearts to stay with us to swift feet. We'll take each in turn. Sad faces. Two ordinary disciples are here described as looking sad, and they stood still looking sad. Cheryl and I often like to go for a walk after tea, and as we walk, we talk, and sometimes we'll have a deep and meaningful conversation as we walk. Well, here are two disciples of Jesus. They're walking and they're talking and they're having a deep and meaningful. They were walking the seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to the village of Maus and talking about all these things that had happened to Jesus. They looked sad. We've all seen someone who is sad and it shows in their face. Why were these two sad, downcast, dejected because their leader Jesus had been crucified and so their hopes for the liberation of Israel had been dashed maybe they felt let down they said we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel They felt let down, I suspect, by their religious leaders who had delivered Jesus up to be crucified. Now, maybe we can relate to their feelings in some way. Perhaps some hope that we had had was dashed or we felt let down in some way. But it was to these two dejected and confused disciples that Jesus drew alongside While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. Although at this stage of sad faces they didn't recognise him, he was there. Jesus does not abandon his followers. I will never fail you nor forsake you, he tells us. Jesus is with us in our sadder or darker times, even if at the time we don't recognise him. And troubles and distresses in our lives will not separate us from his love. There was a funeral I once took, and as the coffin was being wheeled out or carried out to the hearse, there was a song playing, You'll Never Walk Alone. And the believer in Jesus can say this, for Jesus is with you. Let's go on now to sizzling hearts. 
So Jesus drew near to this sad and confused couple. He heard them talking and discussing, and he asked them, what are you talking about? They told him what was his response. He began with a loving rebuke to correct them and point them in the right way. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, he told them. Slow of heart to believe. The heart is mentioned by Paul in one of his letters when he says, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These two were slow of heart to believe. To believe what? All that the prophets had spoken, Jesus told them. So they weren't downright unbelievers. But maybe what could be called selective believers, believing only bits and pieces, but not all. What about ourselves? Jesus goes on to tell them, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? The sufferings and cross of Jesus Christ were necessary, not optional extras. Necessary for what, we might ask? For God's glory and for our salvation is the short answer. Do you see the necessity of the cross for your salvation? Can you say with the hymn, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Foul, I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Well, Jesus went on to give them the interpretation of the Old Testament scriptures that began to fill out their understanding. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. God had said three big things that he would give the anointed king from the family line of King David of Israel to be king of an everlasting kingdom. This king would suffer for our salvation. God would raise him up. In 2 Samuel 7 we read, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this promise was eventually fulfilled in Jesus as Mary herself was told, he will be great and be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Israel forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. But this great sovereign would also suffer deeply. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, prophesied Isaiah. And in this same prophecy of Isaiah, there's the hope of this resurrection of Jesus. 
when he makes himself an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And in Psalm 16, we hear of the prophecy that the Christ would be resurrected, that he would not be abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor his flesh see corruption. It says this, My flesh shall dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let your Holy One see corruption. The Apostle Peter applied this to Jesus when he preached on the day of Pentecost that Jesus had been raised. And so, these two came from sad faces to sizzling hearts, and they could later say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? How did they come from sad faces to sizzling hearts? By a new and a deeper understanding of Jesus, his cross, his resurrection, and how he fulfills God's revelation given to us through the Old Testament scripture. And when we read our Bibles correctly and see that Jesus is the centre of God's plan, then our hearts too will burn within us. These two had had their minds instructed from the Bible. Their hearts were moved, but something more was needed. What was that? That their wills should act. Stay with us. Jesus appeared to be going further, but they invited him in. He didn't force himself in, and he doesn't today either. Is he waiting for you to invite him in to your life? Lord Jesus, come into my situation, into my world, into my life. Stay with me. And when these two invited Jesus in to stay with them, then he was known to them. And it's interesting to notice the point when these two actually recognised Jesus. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished out of their sight. <clears throat> Well, today our custom is to pass the sandwiches first to a guest so he or she can help himself. But in Jesus' day, their custom was to allow the guest to break the large, flat, round bread so he could have the biggest piece for himself. And then they asked the guest to give thanks for the bread, to say grace. Did they come to know it was Jesus because they saw his hands when he was handling their food. Later they told the others back at Jerusalem how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And Jesus has left us with another breaking of bread in remembrance of him called the Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. And when we partake, Jesus is known afresh to us in his love and grace and mercy, in giving himself up for us 
on that cross as we feed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. You and I too can say with Paul, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus had opened their blind eyes and he can still do that for people today. One way he can do it is if a person is willing to read the gospel according to Luke, wanting to know the truth about Jesus. I believe their eyes will be opened. And after this couple came to recognise Jesus, they had swift feet. They longed to go and tell the others. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And it's our experience too of the risen Lord that motivates us as well to want to go and tell, to share the good news. May Jesus direct our feet to those who need and want to know him as their living Lord and Saviour. And so, from sad faces to sizzling hearts to stay with us to swift feet, where on this journey do you think you might be? And now to close. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them who said, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So the risen Jesus appeared to the disciple who had denied him three times. How gracious. And some years later, this same Simon, also known as Peter, wrote a letter to some believers in which he said this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so, brothers and sisters, we have a living hope based on the resurrection of Jesus in the past. We have a living hope that keeps us looking confidently to the future and it came through the resurrection of Jesus in the past. You have an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Normally inheritances come when someone else dies, but here is an inheritance that comes when you die. Peter says it is kept in heaven for you. But not only is that being kept for you, but Peter says you will be kept for it. It is kept for you who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so God keeps your inheritance for you and you for it. 
We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for Jesus explaining to us how he fulfills your plan of salvation. Thank you for his cross and resurrection and the living hope we now have and the inheritance kept for us in heaven. Please guide our feet to those with whom we can share this good news and give us the words and wisdom to do this. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks, Alex. Very encouraging message that Christ has risen. This next song we're going to sing is one of my favourites, In Christ Alone. And I want to read out before we sing my favourite verse. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Let's stand and let's sing this together. 